0: Do you worry about your privacy on the internet? Do you ever think about how much someone could find out about you if they wanted to? Have you ever wondered if your life could be destroyed over the internet by a stranger? The internet helps you stay connected, you know that, but a lot of people think about how to protect themselves online.
1: Yeah, they really don't think about it. Mm-mm. So KV's Leslie Academy joins us in studio with how one group really wants to make that a lot easier for you. Hey, good morning guys. You know, from pictures to apps like Snapchat, Instagram or Twitter, our
0: phones really tell a lot about us. And when you're checking into a location on Facebook, you may not always be thinking of who else is checking in on you. According to the US Office of
1: Women's Health, one in six women experience stalking and one in four stalking victims reported as cyber stalking. Now, that can mean receiving threatening messages or emails, being harassed on
0: social media or someone tracking your location.
1: You have to be careful about the realms that you go into, what you post, just like it is in, in daily life. People seem, seem to be more free and uh, unfettered when they're online because they're not face-to-face with someone.
0: Monica was happy. She was a successful real estate agent. She used social media to connect with friends and family and clients, just like everyone else does. But one day, without realizing it, She made a mistake and she had no idea what was about to happen. Real people in unreal situations.
1: There is a man standing in front of me in my bedroom
0: friend has been shot. I'm in the literally inside the river and I'm inside my car. He had
1: told me multiple times that he was going to set himself on fire.
0: If you say my name or try to look at me I'm gonna kill you.
1: And he was just sobbing. He said mom mom tell me you're gonna be okay. And I
0: jumped on the hood of the car and I held on. And I looked into the garage and he was hanging from the rafters. I had somebody standing on my neck. He's better to me dead. I want him dead. I'm Scott Johnson and this is What Was That Like? Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Audria Arjona. Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and its elect theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Does real estate training include guidance on how to use social media? You know,
1: I think, well, first of all, when I first got started in real estate, um, 1999, so it's been a while... You know, we didn't have social media, so. Uh, but you know, I think even as of today, uh, you know, the training we provided are uh, provided re- in regards to social media. It's mostly how to drive traffic to your social media. You know, it doesn't, I think maybe more in the last couple of years, we have had some training, very little, not official training that shows you the dangers of social media. I think everybody who is on social media today, kind of, it's almost self-explanatory. You got to be careful. But no, I don't think we have any official training about dangers of social media, only how to sell on social media.
0: Well, yeah, that it seems like that would make sense. Like for the most part, anyway, you know, they want you to know how to how to use social media to benefit your business, right? Not necessarily the dangers of it, but for sure, your story sure illustrates the the dangers of it. True, that's sure.
1: I have I have tried to give some classes on that since since all of this happened. Uh, at least at, in my office, you know, so they were very open to it. But uh, that's that's about the extent of it.
0: Can you just describe your life before? You know, like up until this happened, what was what was life like for you, and where did you live?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm originally actually from Poland. Uh, you know, I was born and raised, and I came here uh, when I was well, just about 19 years old after high school, and um, you know, I met my husband in 19. Uh, 19- 1990 and uh, it was a, a quick romance and we got married actually about eight months later. So, um, you know, we have two children and my husband was in the military. So, you know, we traveled all over and uh, just a very much, you know, Two kids, two and a half kids, you know, a dog, (laughs) you know, mom and dad family, very average family, but we're very happy, Um, you know, a lot of laughter and a lot of adventures, you you know, we call ourselves four musketeers, and we do that because, you know, when you're a military family, you only have each other, so you kind of... You leave places wherever you make friends and uh, you move to a new place and you have to start over trying to build new friendships. So really who you have is just what who we had was the four of us. You know, so four musketeers, that's what we call ourselves. So um, our children at this point have been have left home like nine years ago. So we've been empty na- nesters for that long. Um, our marriage, I would say it's, you know, we just celebrated 30 years. So we're still together <laughs> and we're happy. I mean, just like any marriage, look, you know, there's no such a thing as a perfect marriage. Perfect marriage just means, you know, you go through your ups and downs and you work through it and, uh, you know, we still love each other and our kids still talk to us, so that's a good thing. You know, so very happy family. We're very kind of calm and happy within our little little world that we had. I've been in real estate since 1999. We moved to where where I live right now. It will be almost 16 years. So I've been with Remax, I think, for the last six years. Yeah, just different company before that. But uh, that's been my career for, you know, for 20 years now. So
0: so everything's good. Everybody's happy. Great family. Life is good. And then one day you got a surprise.
1: Yeah, you know, that's right. So, you know, that, that year was kind of, you know, and I think back now it, it, was, it was just such a different year. So, you know, that year we celebrated 25th. Wedding anniversary, and it was in August. We decided to do a, a huge party because when we got married in nineteen ninety, we were so poor that we couldn't even afford to do twenty people party. Forget, forget, you know, hundred people like real wedding. Couldn't afford to get a nice wedding dress. So we actually got married kind of in the back chapel of the church, just with mom and dad, you know, with with moms and and a couple witnesses, just like any other little girl, you dream of having a big dress and walk down the aisle and do the whole thing and have be surrounded by family and friends. So that year, we thought, why not? Why not do the dress? Why not walk down the aisle? Why not go ahead and renew our vows? And our children were at this point adults. So they're our witnesses. So we had this huge party and this was in August. And then we did the honeymoon, which we never did. So it was just, we were kind of like, right at the top. I mean, that was our high for the year. You know, we we ended up going on a trip to Peru and checking off one of those things from your bucket list or going visiting Machu Picchu, right? I and mean, well, we always wanted to do it. So we did that, came home, and you just got back to our normal lives. And one of the mornings, and at that point, we're talking beginning of September, you know, I was sleeping and my phone started going off really early in the morning. It's like six o'clock in the morning. And I'm a realtor. We we stay up really late and we work really late and we can actually answer people middle of the night. But when it comes to morning, we're just not morning people. And I'm definitely not a morning person. So I kind of just kind of silenced my phone and I just kept going off and off and off. And I thought, well... Something's going on. So I looked at it, and it was my broker. And I'm like, "Oh my goodness, what what could she possibly have to say to me at six o'clock in the morning?" I pick up the phone, and I said, "What is it? You know why you're calling me so early?" And uh, and she goes, "You have to see what has been posted on our local Facebook page. You know, um, you have to see the links and what's going on." And and I'm like, "Okay, what is it?" She says, "Look, it's really really bad." I'm like, okay. I said, that somebody give me a bad review or that uh, somebody say something bad about me? I mean, you know, so many years in real estate, I mean, eventually I was going to get a bad review and I'm not a perfect person. You know, I'm flawed just like everybody else. And she says, no, I don't think, you don't understand. So she says, I'm going to send you the screenshots. Take a look at it. So I hung up the phone and she starts sending the screenshots and I start reading. And I, you know, I have to tell you, as I'm reading it, I'm actually kind of not not grasping what I'm reading. It's some kind of link, some story about me on this website called She's a Homewrecker. And it has my picture on it. And I right away, you know, I started reading what this person wrote. The person's name was like Ryan Baxter or something like that, obviously a fake persona. So I right away jumped out of bed and I went opened up my computer and I I told her I said did you leave this on Facebook? She says no no we deleted but with screenshot just so you see what's going on you need to take care of it. So I opened up my computer I right away went to that link and uh, she actually copied the link for me. So I went opened it up and I started reading the story and uh, as the story goes it, it, it was just really elaborate story long you know
0: you were reading this on this website called she's a home Wrecker.
1: she's a com. Can,
0: can you describe what is that website what's it about
1: oh now that i know what this is about <laughs> you know back then i was just shocked because i didn't never never ever thought that side of internet existed i mean i might be naive but that's I didn't know. The website is basically a slut-shaming website. Uh, you know, they make money from basically having people post stories about other people. It doesn't matter really if it's true or not. You know, there's uh, my understanding now is you just click the li- little little checkbox and it says, hey, you you definitely saying this story is true. And This way, they're not responsible for it, right? So it's a slut-shaming. It's mostly women-shaming. They actually have a, 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 you know, the whole thing is organized per state, per country. It's just per city in that state. And there's tens of thousands of people on that website. And at that point, I became that unfortunate member.
0: Like, there's a category of websites called revenge sites. Right. And it sounds like it's one of them, like a a woman whose husband has an affair goes on this website and tells all about the woman that he supposedly had an affair with. Correct. That's
1: exactly the kind of website that is, you know, the story that they wrote about me. Well, obviously let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. It's not true, but uh, um, she wrote the story about how supposedly she was a client of mine she retained me, and uh, you know, we're looking at houses. I showed her some, you know, eight, eight to ten houses. She loved the job I was doing for her. You know, one of the days she said she couldn't make it to the appointment we made to take a look at a house. So instead of uh, her going with me herself, she sends her husband with me. So I go and meet supposedly meet her husband, and uh, you know, while we're looking at the house at the house whatever appointment she had ended up canceling. So she's like, well, I'm just going to jump in the car and I'm going to drive out there and meet them both. So she tells the story, she pulls up in the front of the house and she sees my car, his car. She walks into the house, looks at everything. She's loving it. She can't find us. So she goes upstairs and she walks in on me and her husband having sex on the floor as she put it on the Plash white carpet. which Right away, to me, it's a red flag. I mean, who in the world has white plush carpet in our area with red clay? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's the first red flag, right?
0: That is so funny. That as a realtor, that's the part of the story that you know. Yeah, I'm reading it like,
1: <laughs> what house did I show was white carpet? You know, and, and because your mind really does tricks on you. You're reading it, and you know it's not true. And you're like, did I? forget something it's just weird how your mind gets twisted and uh but in any case to to continue with the story she um she said that we're butt naked It, it gets really graphic the story she writes but in any case she said that she was she right away pulled out her phone she took pictures of us as we both scrambled to get dressed she wrote some stuff about how he ejaculated on me and uh, just really ugh, awful stuff. And then at the end of it, she says that ever since then, she has uh, gotten divorced. And that she, due to the picture she took, uh, she got everything in a divorce. And that she wants to warn all the women out there. And she says, "Do not use this woman as a realtor. She's enemy of all decent women out there." And there was my picture and all my contact information. And I have to tell you, when I got down to it, I know there are people out there that've gone into shock. But it's it's a funny thing that happens. It's like the room gets really small and you you feel, your hearing, it kind of starts buzzing in your ears and you're hearing, you, you feel like you're underwater. It, it's a weird reaction that your body does. And I, I was completely in shock. And not only was I shocked that, first of all, the story was false. I just couldn't understand why anybody would write that. It's weird how you ashamed of something that you know, you didn't do, but all these feelings right away go, go through, through your mind. It just, your mind starts racing thousand miles and, you know, an hour. So I jumped up and woke up my husband. I said, you have got to come here and take a look at this. You have to look at this. So he comes out and now uh, he reads it and, you know, he's mad right away. I and mean, he just lost his mind. He's like, whoever that is, I'm going to kill him. I'm just going to kill him. So, but I thought, well, you know, it's really early in the morning. Most people are still sleeping. They probably haven't seen it. How naive is that, right? So I always thought that if something is not true, and I know a lot of your listeners will probably roll their eyes, but maybe I am that naive, but I thought something's not true and i'm going to write to that website i'm going to call them up although there's no phone number and i know that now but i'm going to message them and if it's not true they must take this down right well i had no clue that those websites are protected so the day i right away contacted an attorney i said i i think what i need is like a cease and desist letter something so i called an attorney, they generated that letter, I went ahead and sent it over to the website, nothing. I contacted them on Facebook, nothing. In the meantime, it's during the day, people start finding out, my kids and a couple of my friends, because I was crying. I mean, I, 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 was, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I stopped crying for a whole week, at least at first. And I realized by the end of that day, that there is nothing I can do by myself, and I was completely lost. I didn't know how I'm going to take care of it. In the meantime, what was happening is, as I, for the first time, plugged in my name into the Google, I noticed that there were pages and pages of Google results, you know, search engine results, that showed this this story about me. And it was syndicated to all different websites. So, even if I, for example, took care of this one website, it has already spanned off to different stories by different similar websites. And it just, it was like a wildfire. I I couldn't, there was no way for me to somehow fix this.
0: That's what really gets me about this, that when, you know, when you were first hit with this, Maybe not even the first few minutes, but the first few hours or that day or two, because mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't just posted on the REMAX Facebook page. They also sent it to your family and your friends and your professional contacts. So it wasn't a secret at all. Everybody knew about it. it mm-hmm. I got to think in your head, where do you even start in trying to fix this? Do you, I mean, obviously, you want to get it removed. But right. do you try to contact everyone and explain it, or or do you want to find out who actually posted this thing? I mean, wh- how do you decide what to do first? So
1: my my first thing was, and I, I, you know, the, very early in the morning, I didn't know that this person actually sent it. First of all, I had no clue that my Facebook was open. <laughs> we call it open now, right? So so that person had access to my friend list, so they sent it basically to everybody. So by the time people start waking up, I start getting this wave of messages from people saying, "What is this?" Of course, my daughter got it, my son got it. They were completely petrified. It's like, "Mom, what is this?" So yes, I was answering, but most of my closest friends, they were all like, "Who the hell is this person, and how do I kill him?" <laughs> you know, because they 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 know us, and I don't mean it really kill him, but you know, it's that they were all very upset. But you know. Where do I start? So I think my first thought was, go to the source. Where did that story come from? And it was on the home, home So I thought if I get rid of that story, then maybe then I can start kind of putting out fires wherever that went. I didn't know how huge this was going to be. And uh, it took me just a couple of days to realize this is not going to go away. It's not going to go away. And, and I won't be able to stop it from continuing to syndicate to other websites.
0: Right. I, I read that on on one of those other websites called Bad Biz Report, oh, yeah. it had, had already gotten viewed like 95,000 times.
1: It did. So it obviously,
0: did. it was a popular post on that site. And obviously, you know, when somebody's looking around, maybe trying to choose a real estate agent. I guess one of the first things people would do is just type your name in Google, maybe get some testimonials. and That's
1: exactly right.
0: Boy, it, it was not the testimonial you wanted to get coming up in Google then.
1: That's exactly right. And as a matter of fact, within a week, if you typed in my name into the Google, what you got or any search engine, what you got was about three pages only of that story. There was nothing else. I mean, you could go, but who goes to the fourth page of search results, right? Nobody does. And especially if a store like this pop, pops up, a, a customer, a client right away goes, well, okay, I'm not going to go in any further. I just saw what this woman is all about.
0: What can I say? When I plan a week of meals, I like to have some variety. And with hundreds of meals to choose from, Cook Unity has that part covered. Go to cookunity.com slash what? or enter code WHAT before checkout to get 50% off your first week. Not too long ago, I tried the Cauliflower and Chickpea Coconut Curry. I love curry anyway, but even if you're not normally a fan, you should try this one. It's one of the dishes prepared by Chef Michelle Bernstein here in Florida. She has a couple of restaurants here, and she's also a judge on the TV show Chopped, so you may have already seen her. But aside from the taste, it's the convenience. Because let's face it, even if I knew how to cook, I don't have time. These meals are delivered fully cooked. So when mealtime rolls around, I pick out what I feel like eating, and within just a few minutes, it's ready. No prep and no cleanup. And when I say variety, I'm talking over 350 different meals from dozens of chefs. You can decide based on a chef you like, or protein content, or just what you prefer. The menus are updated weekly, so there's always something new.
1: Make the best meal plan ever with the convenience, chef level quality, and endless variety of cook Unity. Go to cookunity.com slash what or enter code what before checkout for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using code what or going to cookunity.com slash what. We took it
0: all. We brought them to our land. An endless night.
1: And that's what started happening. And then, you know, back then, she's a homewrecker was actually owned by a different um, had a different owner. So and it was a little bit of different format where you could see comments. People still can comment there, but it was more user-friendly, I think, at the time, if you can call it that, user-friendly. But that's where my family and friends went there and said, you need to take this down. But I also got to see what people were saying at the, uh, under this story. The comments were quite awful. I always knew that there are people out there that are just mean to other people, but I just didn't know the amount of that that bad out there. I didn't know that people, once they hide behind the computer screen, I knew that there's some people that have issues in their, in their life and they'll go and they'll be mean online, but I just didn't realize the amount of people that are doing that. And the comments were so nasty. And, you know, my, my daughter chimed in and saying, you know, this is my mother. No way. You know, family, friends. And some people are like, hey, listen, even if the most of the story is not true, if there's a smoke, there must be fire. And I'm like, no, there is no smoke. There's no fire. This never happened. But I knew it's going to start hitting my business. And a few days into it, because this was Friday when it happened. So then I had Saturday and Sunday trying to take care of it. And by the end of the weekend, I, I knew this. this I, I, I had no clue where to go with it.
0: When all this was happening in the beginning, did you have any suspicions at all? about who might be who might actually have done this
1: we so this happened on friday so we spent the whole friday as as i told you kind of trying to figure out how we can stop this firestorm that just started the next couple days we really just try to figure out who that could be and my first very first guess was that it was probably somebody in my industry as you know, in real estate, you're usually on the opposite sides of a transaction. Sometimes there's issues and you end up, you know, fighting for your clients. And as much as I might get in a conflict with somebody at the end of it when it closes and everybody is happy, over you know, it's very nice working with you. Hopefully we'll do it again. But, you know, not everybody can let go of a conflict, you know, or understand that this is really a job you do for your client. It's not you know, it's not personal. So my biggest guess was, okay, I must have really pissed somebody off, like really bad. So I ended up looking, and I'm one of those people that hoards the emails for like ever and ever. I have ever email I've ever written. <laughs> you know, so I thought, well, that's great opportunity for me to look through the emails and try to match up, you know, the timeline when. Let's say I potentially had a conflict, you know, something that actually pops in my mind and maybe I got in a fight with somebody. And then what I mean in a fight, like I there was a one example I had where I was just really better at writing contract than the other person and it cost commission to that agent. But, you know, my job was protect my clients, get their money back. So, you know, I thought, well, if he had to pay that up and it was quite a few thousands of dollars, maybe he's now after me. But I looked at the timeline of it when that happened, and I'm going, it just doesn't match up. It just doesn't match up. So, we looked at everybody around us. And when I say everybody, I, I mean everybody. We're like, Even, like, I remember sitting out on the deck, and, and I'm going, you don't think kids did it, do you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but... Uh, you know, but no, but it's it's funny how your mind works. And I'm like, well, you know, my daughter is a pretty strong-headed person. She's very opinionated. And I thought maybe she just wrote something and, and she thought she could take it take it down and she can't. But we're like, nah, that's not going to happen, you know. But if there ever was a case, then we probably would have dealt with it within our family. You know, we obviously wouldn't sue our kid. But no, there was really no reason for our children very much love coming home and spending time with us and we really don't have conflicts i mean we'll we'll argue like just like any other family but we know they love us so we went through the emails and i thought okay not family not friends there's you know a couple times where because at this point everybody got a message on facebook there's a couple people that would call more often than others being concerned saying okay where are you at what's happening and i'm going uh uh-oh Maybe what they're doing, they're not really concerned for me. They're just trying to find out where I'm at in the process, or do I know, excuse me, or do I suspect? And all of a sudden, your mind is suspicious of everything. But I was pretty much sure it must be related to my job, to the real estate world. You know, my husband sometimes at work has conflicts as well, but he, he thought maybe one person he was suspicious of. But, you know, the, the, the whole idea behind it is you don't know who did it. You can take a guess, but you're walking around looking at everybody, walking into the office and looking at all your colleagues and going, was it you? Maybe it's not because of conflict. Maybe because somebody was jealous. You know, we have a great right there that year. We had this huge party. And um, you know, and everybody celebrated with us. We have a great family. You know, I'm at this point successful in real estate. My husband is successful in his career. Maybe some people just do it because they're jazzed. I just didn't know. So we thought, since we can't take this down ourselves, I think we need to find out. How do we go after this website? How do we find out who did that? Who wrote that? Was it a website that just picked me randomly? maybe it's not even somebody maybe those websites they just generate content
0: so at this point you have to find an attorney but this seems like it would be kind of a specialized area of law how do you how do you decide who to use to represent you to solve this thing this thing
1: we actually didn't know who to use if you actually go and search finding attorneys trying to clean your reputation or slander or any of that sort uh, and taking on a huge website like that, there's, at least in our area, that wasn't such a thing. <laughs> so we talked to a couple attorneys and they were like, yeah, not touching it. This is how we found out about Section 230 of Communication Act of 1996 that protects those websites. And they said, how the hell am I gonna sell this website? It, it's impossible. And I said, well, Can you at least swim to tell me who did it? I got to figure out who did this. What if I'm like talking to this person every day and I don't know? In any case, so we finally get this guy and met him at our office, my office, and he said, Okay, fine. And he was a patent uh, attorney. He, like, you know, did uh, cases for patents. I said, Will you take us on? And he goes, You know, I'm just crazy enough to try to do this. So <laughs> he was, That, that and, doesn't you know, sound
0: like it inspires a lot of confidence. No, like,
1: but, you sure, know. Sure, let's
0: <laughs> give it a try. What do we got to lose, right? Let's
1: figure this out. So we really, for the next couple months, we really worked hard on trying to figure out what is there in the law that we can We can actually file a lawsuit because just to say that, okay, this website slandered me and they're protected by Section 230, that doesn't get us anywhere. And think about it this way. The website's server is actually in a different state. If I go to a state court and we send an order to them or subpoena in a different state, they don't have to comply. So we figure out our only option would be to go to federal court. The blessing in disguise, when you look back at it, is that that person used my professional photo. I own a copyright to that photo. Because if she used something off of Facebook, good luck to me, right? So she actually used my professional photo. And because I own copyright, we were able to basically sue, at that point, John Doe or Jane Doe, because we didn't know who that was, for copyright infringement. And so there's a few, few things we filed the lawsuit with. It was a copyright infringement. It was slander. It was a interference with business, emotional distress. And, I, you know, we'll talk about it, but there was a lot of emotional distress with, with this whole case. And we filed. And as soon as we filed, we found out we're blazing a trail here. You know, when we first talked to the attorney, he said, I said, okay, give me the worst case scenario. How much is this going to cost me? And he said, it's going to be somewhere between thirty-five dollars to $95,000, depending how quickly we can go through it. And I'm like, 35 is bad enough. 95, that's like a house for some people. That's a house. And I cried and I thought, okay let's just hope it's somewhere like closer to the 35 than the 95, right? I mean, <laughs> let's just be hopeful. But I got to find out, you know, there is there is a value to your sanity. You know, I think I'm a person that always had a very kind of underlying, ongoing little bit of a depression. You know, that's just, that's, I had some, you know, mental um, uh, illnesses in, in my family. And I think I always had the low grade depression throughout my whole life, but I was always okay with it. Not, not, not bad enough to, to take pills, but that thing put me in a downward spiral. I ended up actually after we filed the lawsuit and trying to deal with comments online, because as soon as the lawsuit was filed, then the news started calling. And I didn't know if I wanted to be on the news. Because I'm like, oh my god, now it's just everybody's gonna point a finger at me. But realizing how bad my reputation was online, I thought, well, maybe, maybe now I get to speak. Maybe now my my voice will be heard. So I wanted to really, you know, I'm like, okay, let's let's just do it because it was first case of its kind filed over here, and I thought, okay, maybe. Somebody will know something. Maybe this person who wrote it told somebody and that person will turn them in. Maybe this is going to be positive. And maybe now there's going to be something that is contrary to the story online, something that tells people this is not true. So we decided to do an interview with the local news station. And that was the first story they ran. And it's starting to kind of push the content um, on the search results down, but not enough. You know, It was still there. We went from there. In the meantime, I'm struggling emotionally. I'm struggling financially at this point because my business went down. Uh, it, was just, it was just immediate. You know, I had a lot of listings. They dropped off and people were always like, well, you know, we just decided not to sell right now. You know, I live in an area that is very conservative and this is a huge no-no and people don't know if it's true or not. They just go, well, just in case. I don't want to have anything to do with a person like that. I ended up, um, I I wasn't doing emotionally, I was not doing well at all. So I ended up actually reaching out for some help. You know, I'm like, okay, now I'm really depressed. Okay, this is never going to go away. And I think that was my biggest surprise that it was just trying to fix this was taking so long. You know, you file the lawsuit in the in the courthouse and uh, in court, and you think they're gonna take immediate action, but they don't. You wait months and months and months for one word from court. I finally it was almost a year since this happened, and I decided that said I need to go get some help. This is this is I'm just not handling this well and you know any longer, and you know I had many days where. I probably drank way too much wine, but, you know, I feel good afterwards. But, you know, I was also now experiencing not just the shame, uh, the depression. I was now experiencing anger, and I was becoming a really angry person. When you get angry, you know, who do you bite at? You bite at the people they are closest to you. Now you have... um I'm sorry, I know it's been a long time, but uh, I look back at my behavior at that point, kind of biting back at anything that's close to me and not being a nice person. And I feel bad because I feel like it's not just me that's hurt in this. It's my whole family that's hurt. And instead of just, you know, and we stuck together, don't get me wrong. I mean, my husband supported me throughout the whole ordeal, but I put him through somehow, you know, I'd have too much to drink and bike back. So there was a really downturn for me. And so I decided to reach out for help and some help for my depression at that point. So actually I was in the office, psychiatrist's office, uh, because obviously I needed medication to just kind of get out of this down. You know, this hall this I was in. So I was actually at his office in a waiting room where I received a phone call from that news anchor saying that the person that wrote this about me just called me, just called her. I said, what? She says, I know her name. And I thought I was going to just pass out. I'm like, are you serious? Who is it? Do I know her? So she gives me the name, and I'm like, I don't know who that is. Who is this person? And I was just, I was flabbergasted. Here I am sitting, finally, at the psychiatrist's office, trying to get some help, and that's the day I get the answer to my question. But that opened up a whole new set of questions. What happened? Why? Well, I found out out why. (laughs) Why? Her name was Molly Rosenblum. Molly Rosenblum was, at the time that she wrote that about me, was a meth addict and drug dealer. She was uh, charged with kidnapping, assault. She was facing 20 years in, in prison. So what happened was that There was an article, so think about it this way. I found out about this, this hit online in 2015. She actually wrote that in 2014. It just said in a deleted post folder on that website that whole year, because the original owner of the website did not believe her story. So she put it in a not true folder or don't believe it, or whatever she named it. So she put it in there. And then 2015, that website changed ownership, and they did a full release on all those files. And that's how that story hit.
0: So when you saw that story go live on on the She's a Homewrecker website, Molly Rosenblum had actually submitted that story to the website a whole year before?
1: That's right she actually called the news anchor and said, oh my God, yeah, I wrote that about that lady. I completely closed the computer for forgot about her. She said, that was like a year ago. And once we actually subpoenaed that website and we saw the timeline, we knew she submitted that in July of, I think it was July, 2014. The story didn't hit until September, 2015. And it's because of the ownership change.
0: And this all started, because of a a post that a local news station had on their Facebook page right. about a teenage girl visiting Auschwitz. Yes. Can you it, tell what what was that?
1: So they actually had a news article. It was uh, it was a big story. There was a, a teenager in Alabama that went to visit Auschwitz, and she took. She took a selfie, and she was smiling in the selfie. And as everybody knows now, every, you know, there's a bunch of keyboard warriors out there. They don't look at the surrounding story or the content of the picture. They just go, oh my gosh, she's at Auschwitz, and she's smiling. Now, you know, as I've said before, I'm originally from Poland. I've been to Auschwitz now, I think five, six times between taking my kids and my husband and friends. And I know exactly where she's standing. It's a, It's almost like a... Reception area, right? So, and the background story was that her father was a huge World War II buff. They both were, and they always wanted to go visit all these significant places. Well, her father died from cancer, so she completed the trip herself. And my understanding was she's standing there with the selfie, basically taking selfie, saying, "Hey, Dad, I made it." You know, and she was teenager. She was 18 years old, and I've raised teenagers, and yes this should have never actually gone public but i understood what she did at the same time the fact that she posted on social media at 18 and not thinking through not many teenagers think about a lot of things okay so i've raised two so i i know they do really stupid stuff so under that obviously in the comment section under the story Molly was commenting, saying, this is Amber place." this teenager, she's this. And she called her every name in the book. And I'm going, she's 18 years old. So I wrote and I said, hey, listen, in so many words, teenagers do really stupid stuff. There's no need to be calling her all these names. And then, of course, she repeats, like, you have Jewish descent. You have no clue. And I'm like, you know what? Auschwitz doesn't belong just to Jewish people. It belongs to everybody who died in it. I, I've been there. There's, there's uh there's this saying about let's not forget about what this is, you know, to remember so it can never be repeated. It's written in seventeen languages. Auschwitz belongs to the whole world, so nobody can ever forget. If anybody can understand how bad it was, is the history. I, I've the history. This is history of my country. Nobody ever thinks that this is not a somber place. Of course it is. So in any case, I argued with her. Well. She didn't take that very well. She says, oh, yeah, that bitch, I'm going to let her have it. She went that night. She researched. You know, it's not that hard to find me online. You know, I mean, I'm a realtor. My business depends on me being visible online. She found out where I work, pulled up my pictures, all my contact information. She said that night, within a couple hours, she wrote it, and she forgot all about it. And um, that's how she started all of this.
0: A conflict in some comments about a p- Facebook picture. Exactly. And that's just incredible. This part of the story is is kind of amazing to me. The person that posted it on the Remax Facebook page was Ryan Baxter. Correct. And and obviously he did, he's not Molly Rosenblum. No. And I didn't realize this, but for some people, this is kind of a hobby to find these stories that destroy people and then exacerbate it. So Ryan Baxter is the one that posted on Remax page and sent it to all your friends and did a lot, really a lot more damage than what the original post did.
1: Yes. Ryan Baxter actually is Hannah Lupien. Uh, it's a, at the time it's been a few years, but at the time she was a 20 some year old, I think 23, 24 year old girl in, uh, in, in California. And I don't know if she's been scorned, uh, but Ryan, let's just go ahead and call it Ryan Baxter. We noticed a pattern because obviously I was spending hours and hours and hours on the computer trying to figure this whole thing out and see this part of internet. And what I noticed is when I started searching the name, I could see every single post Ryan Baxter did. And it, that, that seemed to be the hobby. Ryan Baxter would take that story and then go tell family and friends, send it to their work, trying to destroy the li- their lives and their livelihoods. And uh, and that was that was repeated pattern for that kind of person. And there's a lot of them on there.
0: And this is someone who, Ryan Baxter, wasn't even involved, never even had a conflict with you.
1: Never, never crossed paths with me at all. Never crossed paths with Molly Rosenblum, completely separate third person. It's a complete vigilante, and there's a lot of them out there. Because later on, I wanted to see how She's a Homewrecker works, so I would actually go there under false name and just to kind of see and follow that person, see what this person is writing, and that was repeated pattern. He went after, there was a judge in another state. It's just, and look, maybe judge has some money to, to fight such a thing. But for little people, this is impossible to fight. It's impossible to fight. But yeah, definitely an online vigilante. And, uh, you know, he literally wrote to my husband and in the message, it said, look, you, Lou, see what your wife is doing and send the link. You know, and let's just say, you know, just the, the weird idea. We've never had infidelity, infidelity in, in our life, but uh, in our marriage. But what if we did? What if we went through a, a really bad time in our life and got over it? And, and, and you know, we're happy family now. Something like this might, might have my husband questions like, oh, my God, did she do it again? And it can completely break up a family.
0: So you're in your psychiatrist's office, and you get the name. What do you? Where do you go from there?
1: You know, the first thing was because her last name is Rosenblum. We actually have a real estate company here with that name, and I thought oh, I knew it. <laughs> 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 I knew it. It's a realtor, you know. So, but uh, as I'm talking to the news anchor, uh, um, she's like, "Not related. Not related. Even spelled different." I'm like, "Okay, okay." So who is this person? And she goes. Just, I guess she said, you wrote something about her or to her on Facebook. And I actually, at that time, didn't know what it was. But, you know, thankfully, Facebook keeps it all, right? So as I scroll back to when that happened, all of a sudden, the name pops up. And, I'm, and I saw that article by the local news and all the exchange I had with her. And I'm like, son of a gun, are you serious? That's what this is about so we right away then we changed that and we have of course now we had the name so they were trying to depose her and we were basically suing for damages because at that point i think when we calculated my loss in business at that point was like two hundred and thirty-five thousand. it was just enormous maybe even longer yeah, i can't even remember the figure at this point but it was, it was quite quite an amount and yeah uh, now we're talking; it's a year. So in any case, we my my attorneys contacted her right away, and at that point, I actually had a second attorney and att- an attorney that has that has had dealt with something like that in a different state. So and I had two attorneys, and he was such a pit bull; he was not nice. So when he wrote to her saying, "Okay, that's it. This is what you're getting sued for," and she got served, she completely freaked out. So. Now, at that point, she writes him an email and says, if you're going to sue me, unless you drop this lawsuit, I'm going to double down and I'm going to do even more damage to her. So she did. She actually went online under one of the articles about this whole lawsuit and wrote that, "Okay, fine, I lied about Monica being a homewrecker, but I got to tell you people, she's neo-Nazi. She's the worst neo-Nazi in our area, and I'm like, I, you gotta be kidding! She hates Jewish people. She this She, I, I, I thought I was gonna have a heart attack. I'm like, that's even worse. <laughs> you know, that's even worse. So she doubled down, and uh, no matter what we did, uh, she, she was just, she was just mean.
0: Well, but you have to know the little, the little that you know about this woman at that time is that she, she's not, she doesn't make good decisions.
1: Right. Especially being high. Yeah. But, I, you know, I didn't know. She said that she was drugged up to the news anchor. She did say that she was drugged up when she wrote it. But I didn't know that something, you know, something she continued with. I did read few articles about her charges on kidnapping. I guess it was just a drug war i I guess that's what you can call it she somebody stole money drug money from her she caught the guy tied him up to a chair beat him for eight hours he ended up escaping running around you know bloody in in town half naked and you know so she got charged with an assault so she she was facing 20 years in in prison so i'm like okay well that's a really scary person to me you know that that was a very scary person (laughs) so we went for months and months back and forth She promised she's going to come and do deposition, never showed up, cost me a bunch of money, more money. And you have to understand that when you get into a lawsuit, people think, okay, we just filed, just sits there and doesn't cost you money, but it does. So think like, for example, every subpoena costs me $495, but just now imagine how many subpoenas you have to write. So you write to this website and you say, okay, I want a subpoena for this. I want to know the IP address of this person. Oh, first, you know, hey, you have to give me information on that person. So you subpoena that, then you go from there, you go to the service provider, another subpoena, and it's just multitudes of subpoenas. And then you do the same for Ryan Baxter. So then you get subpoena for this website, subpoena for that website, for Facebook. So we were provided actually with her actual submission, what she submitted to the, she's a homewrecker. They only posted one picture and it happened to be the professional picture, which got me into court. But she actually pulled stuff off of my Facebook. So I could see the other three pictures she had ready to go over there. And then they gave me the IP address. It gave me the date. And that's how I knew this was way back in July of 2014. So they capture actually all of that. And a side note, this is why they do it. So if, if for example, and I tested this myself, believe it or not. So I thought, well, they say that you anonymous on that website. Well, you're anonymous. How does this website prove to you that they didn't write it? They have to be capturing something, right? So I tested that. I said, okay, I can bet you they're capturing the IP addresses. They have to say, okay, this came from this place. So I went ahead and got one of those Tor browsers, right, which hides your IP address. And I went on the website through the Tor browser. And they wouldn't let me in. Because he couldn't capture the IP address, so I called my attorney. I said, "They're lying. They have it. They have it." Because they were try- not trying not to give us any information at first.
0: You're kind of a hacker, huh?
1: <laughs> you know, you you <laughs> learn. I'm like, okay, now I, you know, I'm figuring this out. You know.
0: Well, yeah, not not many people know about the Tor browser. That's interesting.
1: I mean that's I, I've read all about it. It's like you know how you know how would people hide it, and would that website do it? And I think I probably read it somewhere, so I tested it myself, and uh, sure enough, wouldn't let me in. You go on a regular browser, captures your IP address, boom, they can prove that they have not provided that content because that's what it is with Section two thirty of Communication Act. If you are not the author of that that piece, then you're not responsible. So we knew they had all the information and I I just, you know, I was looking, I was actually seeing what's happening is that no matter what we do, no matter which way we go with court, how much money I'm spending, I'm not getting anywhere. I mean, eventually, eventually I'm going to get somewhere, right? I mean, there has to be a decision from court, but now at this point, we're going on almost two years and we just keep on bleeding money. And there's only so much money where, I mean, we're, you know, we had savings, you know, we've been married for 25 years at so that point. We had some savings, but now we were depleting everything. And, you know, that's another guilt trip that I had. Now I knew that I caused that. I I made that comment. I put it on a Facebook. It's my fault. I put my family through this. And now I'm depleting our savings. It's my fault. You go through all kinds of range of emotions. It's it's just really difficult. But you know, I I got to the point where I thought, you know, they're not getting anywhere every time. That because I, that's a attorney's job, right? I mean, they're they're gonna pound that person. You know, you hurt my client, so you know, I'm not gonna be nice to you, obviously. And I thought, well, they're not getting anywhere. I'm just beating money. So I decided I'm gonna contact her. Maybe she'll talk to me. Maybe she can explain to me. I mean, why? So I contacted her through Facebook Messenger. And I said, hey, Molly, I don't know what it is that you want from me. You're doubling down. Now you're writing more lies about me. Why don't we meet? Ask me anything you want to ask me because you actually don't know me. And she agreed. So we ended up meeting
0: how did you arrange that
1: well i definitely said i wanted in a public place and she actually wanted public place too you know it's, it's funny how you have people two people on opposite ends and she's afraid of me and i'm afraid of her right so <laughs> so like public place and i guess she doesn't like to drive so i had to go to the town where she lives which is about 45 minutes from my house and now uh, we ended up meeting in a restaurant it was like 10 o'clock in the morning. And of course, my husband parked in his car across the street, just in case something goes wrong. And I guess she had her boyfriend or somebody waiting on the opposite end somewhere, you know? So anyway, but I walked in and I already knew what she looks like because I looked her up on Facebook. You know, you couldn't put, I guess, two more opposite looking people across the table, but that doesn't matter. And people have different looks. It doesn't you know bother me i mean i guess what bothered me was she had a tattoo of hammer and sickle on her forearm and you know i grew up in communist country and <laughs> you know that was like oh yeah okay but hey that's what you believe that's what you believe as far as i'm concerned you can believe anything you want as long as you're not hurting other people right
0: when you first saw her at that restaurant or were you first you know you walked up to each other what what was that exchange like
1: she kind of looked at me, put her eyes down. I said, hi. And she says, hi. And I just sat down. We kind of sat there for a second in silence. And she just looked at me. She says, so, you're a Nazi. I said, no. No, I'm not. I said, why would you ever say that? She said, well, you grew up in Poland. You all killed Jews. And I'm like, what? I said, Molly. <clears throat> I grew up in Poland. Polish people hid Jewish people, died for Jewish people. Polish people died in concentration camp. As you do know that, right? You do know that Auschwitz was actually created for political, Polish political and religious leaders. That's how Auschwitz started. And they just worked really well. So they moved on to all all the other stuff they did. So, you know, it's, there was an exchange. and uh, And I started telling her how I grew up. I saw her tattoo, so I said, "Now I can say you communist because you have this tattoo. Why you believe in that system?" So then I started telling her what communism really looks like because I grew up, I, I experienced fifteen years of it. So we started kind of exchanging, then we started talking history and kind of you know the mood kind of settled. You know, it's kind of like now we just we're just talking, getting to know each other. She's actually a really articulate person, uh, very well spoken has enormous amount of knowledge. She reads a lot of books and I, I actually feel felt really bad for the way her life what kind of turn it took. She grew up in abusive home and I even for her, I don't know, I don't want to disclose all the details that happened to her that she told me because that's that's her business. But she had a quite tough, tough life. And then you know, she had a husband who basically blew his brains out in the front of her committed suicide in front of her, and she turned to drugs. And they just took such a wrong, wrong turn, uh, and it put her on that path. And I just, you know, I felt, this weird, it sounds, I felt bad for her. You know, here I am sitting, the one that's in deep crap right now, and, but I'm feeling sorry, sorry for her. But, you know, I think, if anything, it made me It softened me. It it, it made me, I started to getting my answers why, you know, a person who's high, doesn't remember half of of what she did. It's not an excuse, but at least it shows me, okay, this was not somebody who's just a sober, normal person that comes out with a smile, you know, to your face and then goes, jabs you in the back. Right.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. And I should mention, I reached out to Molly Rosenblum to get comments to see if she had anything to, Mm -hmm. as far as input for this story. And I have not heard anything back from her.
1: That's because Molly's in prison.
0: She's still in prison now.
1: Molly's uh, release date is 2032.
0: Oh, boy. Okay.
1: What happened was, so Molly was actually, you know, during that time, and we're talking, you know, last three years, she was working out a deal with, she actually, you know, the time I met her, she was actually off of meth. She was uh, on methadone. She was trying to clean her life up. She knew she was at least facing some time You Know, but she was cutting a really good deal with the prosecutor. She was facing 20, but at that point, they were cutting her deal like down to two, four years, something like that. But she knew that she couldn't do cold turkey in prison, so she decided to get clean herself first with methadone with help before she faces the short time in prison. And then what ended up happening is she lapsed, got on math, and actually stabbed somebody boyfriend i believe and she was high again and that deal just went poof and she got the 20.
0: so what was the outcome of your meeting with her
1: so you know we talked talked for four hours actually really long time my husband's like are you alive in there (laughs) so you know at the end of it She actually apologized to me. She says, you know, if I knew what kind of person you were at the time that I had this exchange with you, I would have never written that. And I think that's a really great lesson for people the the written word is not you don't, there's no emotion attached to it. You actually don't exactly know what the person means. So she apologized to me. She said she was very, very sorry. Not only what she put me through, but also my family, my kids. And she mostly felt horrible about the fact that I had to lay off a couple of people. I just had to let them go. I just didn't have that income. She says, is there anything I can do? And she says, I'm going to take all of this off from from online. She says, I'm going to delete every single thing I wrote. She said to me, she's going to take everything, every single comment she made, every story she wrote, she's going to take it offline. And, you know, I'm standing there and saying thank you. And I already know she can't, even though you're the author of the story. You can't take it down. I think that's another thing that should change. If the story is not valid anymore, or if you really truly lied, you should be able to say, listen, I lied. Can I please take this down? And But you can't do it. So I already knew she couldn't. But I did tell her, I said, Molly, here's what you can do for me. Instead of c- continuously paying attorney, attorneys and the court and going back and forth, if you provide me with affidavit, actually telling the court that you lied it will probably cut out nine months of legal battle for me and it'll save me money. And she agreed to do it. So my attorneys prepared the F. David and you, I have to tell you, when I told them I'm going to meet with her, oh my gosh, whole hell broke loose. I mean, I
0: thought they're gonna. They, they didn't gonna want you to do that,
1: me. huh? No, no. Why would you do that? Don't do that. And I'm like, no, you've tried everything you can do. And maybe if she just gets to know me, I'm, I'm a really nice person. It's like, maybe she'll like me. Maybe she'll hate me. I don't know. But, you know, might as well give it a try. But they were, oh my gosh, I, I got yelled at. It's like, if you mess this up, I'm gonna fire you. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. So she actually ended up. Meeting with me, I think it was like a few days later once I had the affidavit where she admitted to everything and actually went to the bank with her because of notary public We had to have notary public and she signed it all off and I remember driving back from that from that bank when she did it all and and i I think that was the first time that I could see the light at the end of the tunnel, not only because she signed off on it but because now she knew me. Now, I knew that I don't have to fear her as much, you know, that she's gonna write something or that she understood who I was. and I'm not saying that if she doesn't get high, she's not gonna remember get angry at me and do it all over again. I, I, I don't know, but i'm hope I was kind of hoping this is gonna be the end of it, at least from her from her side. So I started to see the end of the tunnel and so we did that, and then. Submit it all to court, and it took another nine months before we got the the answer from court. And the court not only gave me not only did I win on every single count. The actual opinion of the judge, it was a female judge, was kind of. It made me feel really good because she did say how much I suffered, how outrageous this was, you know, so it's a confirmation for me. And, uh, you know, at this point, I had some other, I got this federal order and some other people once the lawsuit went through and I won, there were some other people from news contacted me. Uh, They did the update on it, you know, including the local news, news people because I wanted people to know. This is confirmation. Yes, it took me over 3 years to do it, but I was innocent. So there there was no smoke and there was no fire. <laughs> you know,
0: so. And of course all of that you want it to be all public because every every news report that's another entry in Google for when somebody does a search, right?
1: Yeah, one of the reasons was also so important is because here we go to the na- another stage of it. Now I have this federal court order that says not only I've been awarded uh, damages, but now I have this court order that says, hey, Google and all the search engines, de-index this. And I find out the answer from Google was in so many words, I'm paraphrasing, oh, well, We're going to take a look at it and see if we accept this federal court order or not. We had too many fake ones come through, so we don't promise we're going to do it. And I am still at standstill. This has not been acknowledged by Google yet. They're literally not listening. They're powerful enough. They're not listening to court orders. So at this point, I know, look, the story still lives online. You know, it's still out there. I mean, if you search enough, you'll find it. Some people still look at it. She's a home record. The store on the actual website is not there anymore. Instead of it, there's a legal notice from my attorneys that's been replaced. They took that down, but it, it didn't matter because it's syndicated to such a nasty, nasty website. And there's, there's, oh my God, there's this one story out there. I think it's something like don't date my eggs.com. It's something, some weird website like that. And that one actually didn't even have except for a link, somebody wrote a whole new story about how this was this person that I supposedly had sex with, and I'm going to prove to you that I really did have sex with her. She has this mark on here and that, and talking about genitalia and all, it just, you know, I got to about one third of it and I looked at my husband and I said, I I, I can't even read it. I, I just, I can't even read it. It's just awful, just awful very very graphic so you know those stories are out there but i think a lot of positive content since have pushed all of it down you know and i'm really grateful for that especially that you have these huge search engines those huge corporations like google they just they're just not helpful they're just way too powerful
0: and and i know there was one the one site that where it was viewed so many times called bad biz report mm-hmm. they kind of they ignored the court order as well but it looks like when i did some research that whole site is down now apparently it is no yeah, i couldn't find it
1: oh i'll have to look i mean it, i think it's been it's been a few months since i looked you know these are the people that claimed their actual in their actual thing it said the little introduction to the website it said American lawyers make us laugh. It's just they're like you we were never gonna take this down. Good luck to you. And that's pretty much an attitude of majority of these websites. But if they're down, I would be very happy. I know that they had that website for sale for a while. And I know their servers are outside the United States. So there's no even way for me to do anything about it. But I knew they they said that they would accept an offer to purchase I'm like, man, if I can just raise, raise enough money to purchase it and shut it down, that would be really wonderful. (laughs) Hopefully, you know, hopefully the word is spreading and people start Canceling in our cancel culture these days, right? When you cancel people like that, they're they're literally parasites and they're parasites because they feed and make money from ruining people's lives.
0: And it looks like there's no way, there's no way out. There's no solution.
1: That's right. Because it's so overwhelming. I mean, you know, and if you don't want the person all by yourself and let's say you have mental issues or emotional issues and it puts you in that hole. I can bet you they're suicides. I mean, at that point, I have heard from so many people, and not just from the United States, but from all over the world. I had, for example, one young lady. She has uh, two children, and she was exposed. She was a teacher, and she was exposed on the website, something like Watch Out for the Pedophile or something like that. And she was named that she was a teacher. She was a pedophile. So, of course, you have vigilantes that then send You know, send this to her workplace, which is school. And you tell me if the school is going to try to figure out whether or not she actually did it. No, they're going to protect the kids. They just fired her. She couldn't find a job. And she says, I think the world is better off without me. She says, I am on the verge of just ending it all. I just can't do it anymore. And then now think about how is a teacher on a teacher's salary is going to go ahead and spend that amount of money. Justice, again, is not equal. Justice in this case, since this is not a criminal offense, there's only justice for those who have it, who have the money to go through with the lawsuit. You know, we wiped ourselves out, but we had it to begin with. For a teacher or or single mom who's been slut-shamed and slandered online, uh, you know, and it was not true. It's, there is no way you can not even get started in this law. You might as well. I mean, like I said, one subpoena is four ninety-five. Now you have an attorney, and each is like three hundred some dollars an hour. How, where I, there's no funds for people who don't have, there's no path for them to get their justice. No path.
0: At that point, you just. I would think some people say, "Well, I'm just going to change my name." Be, be a new person.
1: Right? I thought about that actually. You know, but then I, I got I got angry. I'm like, oh I got it's my it's my name. I'm not changing my name. Yeah might as well just kill my business <laughs> altogether. You know, it went down 50%, but I might as well just kill it all because if I change my name I just have to start over. And then I thought no, this is my name. How many Monicas are out there? I right? <laughs> At the very end of it, um, you know, we ended up, like I said, we ended up winning. We got awarded to, I think, I believe it was 219000 uh, I didn't qualify. My case did not qualify to get my attorney fees back or any anything else that I spent. It was only the amount I lost in my business, which was the, the $219,000. But like you said, to begin with, if they have zero money, then you're not getting any money. I mean, I have the the judgment and federal judgment you can't go bankrupt on. So this will hang over her head forever. Maybe someday she will win a lotto, <laughs> but not until 2000, uh, 2032, right? But in any case, uh, I'm never going to see a penny from it. Uh, since this happened, it's been five years. I have rebuilt my business at this point. I think that those stories online, the positive stories definitely help just so that content goes down. I think a lot of people, I've had uh, instances where I have a new client and we'll start laughing about something and then, and they go, hey, so, you know, how are you deal with, deal with social media? And she says, I've heard, I've heard that you had some keys going on. I said, oh, you Googled my name. Okay. So it comes up now, but it comes up more in, in, because there's another story that they can refer to and say, oh, this lady won, so this was untrue. Now it's more, I don't want to say it's positive, it's probably the wrong word to use to say now it's more positive because the whole thing, obviously, the five, that that was a negative thing that, that happened to me, but because there's something to offset it, people look at it in more positive way you know
0: yeah they see the whole story rather than yes. just that one exactly. uh, initial thing. yeah
1: exactly
0: do you still comment on controversial facebook posts
1: i kind of i go back and forth not controversial subjects and i definitely definitely think twice and think very hard about what i'm writing on the opposite end i get angry that i have to do that Why can't I express my opinion? I have just as much right to First Amendment as anybody else out there. But I also, because of my lawsuit, understand the First Amendment comes, if you decide to use it, comes with consequences. I definitely don't want to find myself again in this situation. Would I do something different? Yes, I would not comment. I mean, that's all I can say. I would not comment. Do I regret it? Yes, I regret it. I do still want to be able to express my opinion. I do want to make comments under some new stories. But now I just try to stick to those better, especially in this environment today where everybody is all on the edge. I'm like, I just stay away from that. It's
0: definitely worse now than it was a few years ago. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes. I still talk about it and I, I'm going to say, yes, I want to protect everybody's first amendment right but please be careful please be careful because what happened to me happens more often is just the only reason you know about me is because i fought it and i had the means to fight it but 99 percent of people have no means to fight it that they're silent silent victims that you'll never hear about but there's tens of thousands of them
0: One thing that What Was That Like listeners like to do is talk about the podcast with other listeners, and that's what happens in our private Facebook group. In fact, some of the guests who have told their story on this podcast are in that group as well, so you can join in those discussions, or you can just be a lurker if you want. Either way is okay. That's at whatwasthatlike.com slash Facebook. And Raw Audio Episode 7 is now live. The raw audio episodes are bonus episodes that include actual 911 audio and the story about what happened on that call. In this episode, a live shooter at a restaurant. He's
1: still shooting. I'm hearing shots over the phone.
0: A worker at a recycling plant gets into trouble with a baler machine.
1: Are you there by yourself, sir? No, sir, I'm not, but no one's hearing me. And I'm really
0: losing blood, sir, I'm going to die. And a crowd of people try to move a car that's stuck on the railroad track. He's trapped in the vehicle. Okay,
1: then everybody else needs to get away from it. There's a train coming.
0: You can get access to Raw Audio 7 and all the previous and future bonus episodes by becoming a supporter of this podcast for just $5 a month. Sign up at whatwasthatlike.com support. And I want to say a big thanks to all of you who completed the 2020 What Was That Like Listener Survey. You gave me a ton of great information and suggestions and a lot of compliments, which I really appreciate. In fact, one of the suggestions was to change the opener for the show. And maybe you noticed, this episode has a whole new opening sequence. Let me know what you think of that. And congratulations to Maria... She was one of the ones who completed the survey and she won the drawing for the $50 Amazon gift card. And now I'll leave you with true crime podcast host Nina Instead as she tells you about her show called Already Gone. And I'll see you again in two weeks.
1: Murder missing persons, unsolved mysteries. Already Gone explores lesser-known cases from Michigan and the Great Lakes region. I'm Nina Instead, the voice behind the Already Gone podcast. Join me for an in-depth look at stories that will have you looking over your shoulder and
0: locking the doors at night. Find Already Gone on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcatcher.